Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Asband. Our daf of the day, Masechet Eruvin, daf tet zayin, page 16. Before we begin, I just want to introduce a term for our list of terminology. It's actually a term that we've been using kind of more colloquially, namely the idea of a breach, um, which in Hebrew is parutz. And at this point, we've seen enough of it in the context of defining the maximum of a breach, the minimum of a breach, the function of how much um, enclosure, enclosure do you have to have to the exclusion of the breach. And we're going to continue to see more and more of this, a vertical breach, a horizontal breach, and so on. I wanted to make sure that we have it in our formal lexicon that you know it's, it's not quite as essential, let's say, as a Korah and a Lefi, but it's up there. It's it's one of these terms of how how much wall, how much enclosure do you need when you have an enclosure, and how much can in fact be a breach. So um, I think that definition is very important. And the issue of is the breach well, or even just the whatever you're putting up horizontal or vertical is going to be a big part of our discussion with the Mishnah that's on that page. Um, but before we get to the Mishnah, which is on Amud Bet. Amud Aleph really, and I, you know, Anne and I went back and forth, should we read it? But it's just so lengthy. Um, really, basically, is a continuation of the previous stuff of Tadvav, um, discussing this machlokas of, of Rav Papa um, and um, of Rav Papa, and, and uh, I'm losing now who it's with, and uh, <laughs> with, with, with Rav Huna, thank you, um, about this particular case of Parutz Ke'omed, right? when the breach part and the standing part are equal to each other. And Rav Papa says that it's mutar, you can carry in that page, in that in that particular case. And Rav Huna says you cannot carry in that case. And basically the way they try to sort that out here is they quote a very lengthy tosepta from Kilayim, um, which again is interesting because I think one of the themes we keep seeing is, is that much of our understanding of the construction building of an Eruv, we're going to compare to the partitions and the construction building that's necessary in a field in order to plant a variety of different seeds and how do you make sure that you're not doing key lime. Um, so again, we see that again on this page and really going in a very, very detailed way through this Tosepta and trying to figure out based on the language of the Tosepta, who does it more support, the position of Rapapa or the position of Rav Huna. Um, and ultimately, uh, they're not really sure, you know, where do they land with all of this? Um, so I think the ending is actually um, is actually very interesting. Um, and if you look right before uh, the Mishnah that we get to, um, you know, the Gemara reads as follows. I just got to find here. Um, so the Gemara reads, and I lost my place. Okay, so it says, uh, right? So that it's, you know, if, if it's, if it's equal, right? The parutz and they were made, it's asur. So ultimately, after all this discussion, back and forth, they decide, no, you know, parutz made is asur like Rav Huna, And this is an absolute refutation of Rav Papa. But, but what? The halacha is actually like Rav Papa. So then the Gemara wants to ask, Tiyufta v'hilchata, right? Hold on. What do you mean? You have a tiyufta. You have an absolute refutation, but at the same time, that's how you're going to pask in the halacha. In mishum daika matninan kavate, right? Yes, because why? Why is it? Because we're going to give a more 
exact reading of a, of the Mishnah that actually goes with Rav Papa's uh, opinion. It's not. Right? As long as the breaches are not more than the built segment. So in other words, that would mean it just has to be a more than, not an equal or more than. Um, then it is, uh, it, is, it is mutar to carry. And that goes like Rav Papa. So I think it's interesting to see that almost in a way, I'm not sure, I, I, to me, I almost read this as, they know what the halacha is. Like the Gemara, the Amorayim knew where we actually land, right? And it's probably, they knew where they landed based on what they were seeing around them, right? Which we saw, I think it was yesterday's staff or the daft before, it was the daft before in Yudalit, where they said, go out and see what people are actually doing, right? I think they knew that they saw that people were following Rav Papa, but yet they have this Tosept on Kilayim. They can't quite figure out how to make it work. It really can't work with Rav Papa. Um, but it, ultimately, the halacha is like Rav Papa, and therefore they have to amend the Mishnah in a way in order to make it follow uh, Rav Papa. So, you know, I think this is a tension sometimes that we see in the halacha. Like, we know how we actually paskin. What do you do when the sources themselves don't exactly line up with how the halacha is actually practiced? I also found this to be one of these, like... Um disputes that kind of dances across the page as we go, let's understand Rav Papa, let's understand Rav Huna, let's knock down Rav Papa in favor of Rav Huna, no, no, let's rock, knock down Rav Huna in favor of Rav Papa. Now, obviously, all the details of how that is accomplished are relevant, and that's what the DAF is really doing, but there's still this kind of like, we've seen it before here, in Erevin, right, which is, I guess, such a mathematical masachet, it's not surprising perhaps, I'm not sure, that they follow the machlokia, that they follow these disputes evenly throughout. You know, once they're going to have that kind of dispute, they can track it all the way through. And there's something kind of beautiful about that, if complicated. And I think that also, it's, um, you know, it's almost in a way like they pursued this huge intellectual exercise of really deconstructing these opinions based on the sources. And then at the end, they're like, okay, but like, what's the actual halacha? Like, <laughs> that was just sort of like an intellectual pursuit. We wanted to see how far could we take it? How could we really understand those two different opinions? But now, like, you know, to you, but to Papa, to you, but Hilchata, to Papa. You know, that's really exactly very, the bottom It's a very right interesting here. conclusion. It's a very interesting conclusion. Okay, I want to jump into the next Mishnah, right, which is immediately precedes what you've just read, Yordana. Um, but it also immediately precedes, right, if we pay attention to the way the text itself is constructed, right? If if the last time I was reading a Mishnah, I wanted to note how it's how it appeared in the context of the daf, including its placement in the Gemara. Today, I want to pay attention to how this Mishnah really follows on the heels of the previous Mishnah. And in this case, it happens to be essential because there are words that are in the previous Mishnah that do not appear in this Mishnah that are really what it's all about. Namely, that caravan, right? What does it mean, a caravan? It means like a traveling cohort of, of what? Of people, of covered wagons, of chariots, I don't know, right? Like whatever the appropriate gear was is for the for the time of, that's what it means by caravan, right? As opposed to, it's not one structure, it's, it's a, an entourage that is traveling. But these words, Shayara, for example, that's in the previous Mishnah, is not here. It just says, I mean, it dives right in to what they're doing, 
right? They've camped in the field and they're trying to put up, again, none of this is in the Mishnah. They've camped in a field, this caravan, the travelers are trying to put up, you know, some kind of enclosure so that they can make their air for Shabbat, right? That's the whole goal. And they begin, right? Like the Mishnah kind of just assumes that you're already with the program. You know that that's what they're doing. And then here's how they do this. And what they do here is very unusual. I, I don't know if it's tactless unusual for people doing it, but it's an it's a um, it's a puzzler. Mikifin So they unfurl or unroll, I guess, three different ropes, and they're going to encircle the the place that they want enclosed with these ropes, and they are going to be placed you know horizontally one above the next meaning so that you have three ropes and that like what you're looking at is basically you know three lines of rope one above the other and it's going to go the whole way around wherever you're trying to make your encampment um you have to make sure that they are together close enough together that no more or in fact less than Less than or equal to, right? It has to be, it has to actually be less than three tfachim between each each set of ropes, um, because otherwise you end up with such a gap. The gap will be too big for the. We spoke about this some time ago now. For that kind of, we called it imaginary, right? We the idea that there's a a theoretical or a figure figurative wall that appears between in that gap. Right, that gap is fundamentally closed in by virtue of the fact that it does not reach a distance of three tzvachim. So the gap between the top rope and the middle rope, and the gap between the middle rope and the bottom rope, ends up being filled in. So now, even though what you have going around your camp is fundamentally three different ropes, from a halachic perspective, what you have going around your camp is fundamentally a wall, right? And the whole, and then the next, the next bit is right, the um, that. As these ropes combine, right? Meaning, how much how much space do they take up? Shiur chavalim ovian yeter al tefach hakol asarat So you want the width of the or the strength, I guess, the width of each rope together. Meaning, when they combine together, you have just less than three tefachim of air between rope and rope and rope, and then. When you, so that's right, three and three tfachim. And then you want to make sure that you have um, that all together the ropes themselves combine to be just a little bit more than a tefach so that you end up with ten tfachim. Now I'm having trouble with the math here um, because I think that if, I mean, it's not, a, I guess it's a matter of up from the ground, right? So that you end up with a tefach less than, just less than three tfachim up from the ground before you get to the bottom rope. And then just less than three tfachim until you get to the middle one. And then just less than three tfachim until you get to the top one. And that's you end up with nine and not six, right? Because six is all you have between the ropes themselves. Um, okay, now, the mission continues, but I want to pause here just for a moment to say that I've actually seen this done. Not actually for an Erev, but for a sukkah, um, where there's a concern that the sukkah was so billowy, right, that the the cloth that went around this very large sukkah, you know, that, that I experienced at one point in my life was so billowy that it was going to make uh, a gap of more than three tzvachim. 
So then the question was, how can you, what are you supposed to do? You, you can just like start, you know, cut, cut that fabric down the middle and start sewing it together. That wasn't going to work. So instead, literally, we took um, ropes, you know, bands of, of, I don't know, canvas, something. And it went around the whole sukkah. And the sukkah wall looked like it was this fabric, right? That was the nice sukkah experience. But the halakhic wall was literally these ropes. And it was very strange then. And it's very strange now to read about it, to, to hear about it. But, I, you know, it's something that, in fact, can be practically used. Um, certainly if there is a need, uh, even if it's, again, like you're relying on the gap between the ropes coming together to make, to make a, a wall fundamentally. Right. Okay. And here we get to the next bit, which is going to be relevant for when we talk about, uh, parts when we're talking about something that's a breach, if it's going to be vertical or horizontal, so, okay, it doesn't have to be ropes. You can encircle your enclosure with boards, right? And they can be vertical boards. And then, and then you really, it will, it will look, it will feel like you really have a solid enclosure. And the question here is just make sure that you don't have three tzvachim as a gap between each board and the next. So here you're not talking about vertical. You're not talking about a horizontal <laughs> gap. You're talking about a vertical gap. Uh, either way, you still don't want three tzvachim in between. So here, and then the, the Mishnah continues, and it's, uh, let me just read it, and then I'll explain why I find it interesting. So, so the Mishnah says, and it's like such a self-referential Mishnah, which is not common at all, right? It says, when they spoke about the caravan, then this is a statement of Rabbi Yehuda, Right, that he was talking about these vertical things, these vertical boards, um, or alternatively horizontal boards or horizontal um, enclosure elements, let's call them, right? And the claim there is that you didn't actually need, right? Did you need to have a full solid um, covering, or could you in fact have lavud and and good? Can you have the the gap filled in by its by virtue of the proximity of the different elements? Right, so then when it says when the Chachamim say that they spoke of a caravan, right, it says the the Mishnah concludes because they were speaking in the present. They were speaking in the present. What does that mean? This was their typical case, right? That people traveling in a caravan would have to, you know, come and 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 put up, set up a, a real partitions to be able to have an enclosure. And they would uh, I'm sorry. They weren't. They wouldn't be able to set up a full enclosure with boards, right? So, so then they had to use something that was lesser, and that meant ropes with gaps or boards with gaps that would be again as long as it's not more than or up until including and more, right? So, so they're talking about the. I feel like it reminds me of the the robber of Machel ben Drosai, right? That. He would eat the, if you remember this from Masachat Shabbat, right? We, he, the question was, how cooked does the food need to be cooked to be edible? Uh, because he was on the go. And once he was on the go, then it just needed to be edible. It did not need to be fully cooked to be yummy. So here I feel like, you know, they're traveling. And in traveling, they're not setting up their ideal Eruv. They're setting up something that will be feasible, that will be functional, that will enable them to, in fact, carry on Shabbat. 
And then the Mishnah just concludes, and with this I'll end and hand it back to you, Yordana. Right, which uh, gets translated to be the warp and the wolf, meaning the vertical and the horizontal. If you don't have both a vertical and a horizontal, then you don't really have this kind of separation. That's his opinion. Rabbi said, you know, one of either either one, either vertical or horizontal is sufficient. And we've seen this kind of dispute throughout. Meaning we've seen Beit Hill and Beit Shammai debate this as well. Beit Shammai says, you need this and this. And Beit Hill says, you need this or this. So here we see Rabbi saying, you need this and this. And Chachamim were more lenient. And they said, no, no, one or the other, as long as you have either horizontal elements or vertical elements establishing your enclosure, enclosure, even though you're using the gaps to fill it in, but you're traveling and we understand that we're dealing with a minimal case to make sure that it's functional. Right. And I think that when I read that, you know, the horizontal versus the vertical, it, it totally reminded me and was a parallel to the Lachi Kora, you know, Machlokas that we saw previously. Um, so the Gemara then, you know, spends some time sort of exploring that, you know, the horizontal versus the vertical. Do you need both? Do you need one? Um, but then they get into an, another interesting piece of this Mishnah. And I know yesterday we talked about that we had that Mishnah that talked about that a lechi could be from a living animal. And then we got to the Kora Mishnah. And I think one of the things we teased out is, you know, you went from this one Mishnah, which was totally not practical, to a super practical Mishnah, right? People are traveling. It gets to be Shabbat. What can you do so that you can carry a little bit around your, you know, campsite? But the Gemara asks something interesting here, right? Makifin bekanim, in right? They want to know this method of creating, you know, a mechitza so that you can carry. Is this just for the case of the caravan or is it for the yachid? In other words, is this the exception? Is the caravan the exception, right? This normally wouldn't really be something that's permitted, but we understand we need to make this permit. You know, in other words, we needed to create this scenario because this is something that happened. It was part of human life. Or is the Mishnah just giving us an example of when would be the most common time, sort of, that somebody would need to construct something like this? And it would be when you would be traveling in a caravan. But if a yachid wanted to go ahead and do this, a yachid could. So a yachid meaning an individual. An individual, right? Like I'm by myself in a karma lead and decide I need to, you know, I'm, I'm camping by myself. Which is, a, I, I don't mean to Which interrupt you. I'm just, right. I, you can, but it's kind of a fascinating presumption of a case. Like, right. yes, exactly. So it says the Gemara, like, right? So, in other words, when we read this, is it saying, yes, with a caravan you could do this, but a Yachid can? The Hatan, yes. So now they're going to quote a Brisa, Rabbi Yehudo Mer, right? So then they said, okay, but no, we actually have a Brisa where Rabbi Yehuda says all of these types of partitions that somebody can make on Shabbat, right? which are either, you know, the horizontal or their, or vertical, the Chachamim only allowed them for an individual space that was, uh, that is uh, not greater than, well, sorry, they did not permit it, permit it to a Yachid if it was more than two uh, seahs, right? It was more than me Beit Satayim, right? So this would basically say up to an area of Beit Satayim, you actually, an individual would be allowed to do this. Kids Amar of Nachman, Bitame, Rabibi, Barbaye, 
right? So some say this this Mishnah that we just said is actually according to the opinion of uh, Rav Nachman, and some say it's actually Rav Bibi Bar uh, uh, This halacha, right, of the thing with the caravans was only given, right, to provide for people who were traveling in a caravan and they needed room for all of their space. In other words, what is this thing with the Beit Satayim, right? That they, you just, you need a certain amount. It's like, if you're going to put it up, it's because you need the space to carry, right? Like, we're not going to make constrict you, you know, if you're traveling and you have animals and all this stuff, we're not going to constrict you that you, you know, you only have Dalatamos uh, or something like that to, 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 to carry around. So this Mishnah of Rabbi Yehuda, right, is to be understood is that basically like the caravan is there um, to, um, you know, that a person has enough room, basically... Uh, to carry. So, in other words, am I am I that. wrong? Am I wrong in inferring from this? It seemed to me that this was like very genteel, a very genteel way of, you know, referring to the fact that people need to go to the bathroom. Oh, I don't know, but that's a very interesting question. But it does not mention that. But you might actually no. But like, like when this. we talk about like osets or chav, right? Like sometimes, you know. I, Excuse me for a minute, right? It's very oh, polite. Okay. He has I to go do his needs. Way, but I think no, but are, so I don't I, know. I don't know that it's. I don't know well, that I it's that's In other words, you you don't want to be sitting next to your excrement. You know what I mean? So I think you're right. probably right. Like you need enough space to like live a little bit for the 24 hours of Shabbat, right? So you know. So what he's basically saying is like, no, this is for a caravan, right? But you know, this halacha really just applies to a caravan, okay? Um, but you know, and it doesn't make a difference what the size is going to be, but it's an individual, right? This is the amount of size that you actually, that you can actually build up to. I'm still, I'm still struck by the fact that an individual is traveling on Shabbat and is going to make an encampment, meaning clearly he's not going to get to the next place where people are living in time, right? For Shabbat. So he has to do this. And I feel like, well, yeah, that must have been the case for peddlers and it must have been for people who are traveling all the time. But it's so foreign, you know, and I say this as somebody who has now and again, you know, cut my arrival on an Arab Shabbat a little bit too close. And still, I can't imagine, like, I'm going to be in a field, so I better quickly set up an Arab. It's really very daunting to me. Okay, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I didn't think I didn't think of it that way. Um, and then the Gemara goes on and says, right, right, where is the statement, basically, of Rav Nachman, and, or maybe it was of, of Rav Bibi Bar like, where did they actually say this, right? What, what was it in context of? Right, it was having to do with the end of the Mishnah. Right, so they're really saying that this statement, okay, of lo right, was really made in regard to this last statement of the Mishnah, right? That was that any the mechitza that's made needs to have, you know, vertical and horizontal. Otherwise, it's not considered to be a mechitza. And this really is the words of Dibre Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda. This is really a statement of Rabbi Yosi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda. Umiyama Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Yehuda right? Did Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, actually say this? Wasn't it taught in Abraisa? 
both an individual and a caravan, right? You can use ropes, basically. What's the difference then between, okay, an individual and a caravan? Right? So the difference would be as follows. If it's an individual who's constructing this, the Allah allows that he has beitsa time. He's too, you know, seya, okay? Which, in which he can carry, right? If you have two individuals together, they also, they get an area of two time. Once you have three individuals, now it has the status of a sharia. And therefore, they can go up to what? Two beitsa, you know, two satayim, uh, two you know, beitsatayim uh, per each person. So then you get up to a total of six satayim. Uh, well, I should say six sayas, right? So time is just two. And this is what Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, is actually saying. The Chachamim Omrim and the Chachamim say, what? Echad Yachid, the Echad Sharia. Whether it's an individual or a caravan, no, Nilahem called Sarchan. They're allowed to basically take the space that they need. Ubuvad Shaloyehei Beit Satayim Pendui. As long as what? As long as there won't be, they, they're, that there will not be an unoccupied space of Beitsa time. In other words, they can't, you know, basically, uh, you know, mark off, right? Or enclose off an area that's two sad time bigger than what they need. And that kind of makes sense what the Chacham are saying. Like they're saying like, yes, we're going to let you do this and we'll even let you do it as a yachid. You can't be greedy with the space. You're not allowed to mark out, you know, whatever it is, an acre of land, right? Needs to be like the land, the amount that you would need in order to sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, in order to keep Shabbat. Okay, I'm a Nachman, but but it's also very strange. It's also let's say you want a part in the sun, part in the shade. Meaning, I can imagine, right? When I maybe I'm wrong about how how large I think a sa'a is, but if a mikvah is forty sa'a, right? That's right. A sa'a right. is not a lot of space. So then I understand that it doesn't, it should not how take a lot of. A Why don't we tell everyone how big that is? Okay, so I've looked this up, right? And when we look it up, we see that a sa'a is supposed to be the capacity, it's a volume, it's a measure of volume, and it comes to about nine um, quarts on a US quart measure, which is about eight and a half liters, which is not a vast amount of space, right? In terms of. I don't know if I think of like liter bottles, you know, and I pile up eight of them and that's how big my Erev can be. I'm not going anywhere on this Shabbat, right? I'm not, I'm not wandering around within my, I obviously could leave the area of the Erev, but I feel like, so maybe I'm completely wrong about whether this is about the bathroom and maybe this is really just about, you know, the space to do your, you know, eat your little food and, and lie yourself down you know, for, right. for the amount but what of the time they're saying here, it can't be too. The Chachamim are much more lenient. They're saying you can build a rather large area as long as it's not too, you know, it's not too seas, you know, too set time more than what you normally would have. So, you know, the Gemara goes on and continues this discussion and explores it a little bit more. But, you know, I, my reason for reading this is I just think it's interesting to see that, you know, I think part of what they're trying to, you know, explore about this Mishnah is. Is this the exception or is it giving us just the classic case of why you would build something with Chavali, you know, like why you would construct something like this 
the classic case being caravans, or is the the caravan actually the exception? I don't know that we necessarily come, you know, you know, I think ultimately that's somewhat of what the Machlokas is over. Um, but, you know, at least the Gemara recognizes, the Amorim recognizes, you know, it, it, that Mishnah itself, the contract of that Mishnah is a little bit unusual. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, and again, right, the Mishnah says it, it, the Mishnah itself says that it brought the common case. So it must have been in use. It must have been in need, right? We've been talking all along about how Masachari Ravina is practical and that it isn't just, let's see how far these hypothetical halachic, you know, standards go. So I believe that people needed to know how to do this. Um, I'm not sorry that we live a little differently now. Not at all. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on All Nature Podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and this particular Mishnah on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. <laughs>